Hey, this is Johnny D from Doro. Pour yourself a nice cup of Java. Kick back and enjoy the rock and roll and coffee show. What's up, everybody? I'm Joe, and this is the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, episode 40. Yeah, 40 episodes we are in. Tonight's guest is Rick Rule, lead singer of the band Every Mother's Nightmare. You might remember Every Mother's Nightmare from the huge hit they had, Love Can Make You Blind. It was all over MTV back in the day, probably about back in 1990, 91, it's right around that time, early 90s. But that was a huge hit. And then after that, on their second album, they had another hit, House of Pain. Every Mother's Nightmare kind of succumbed to the whole, you know, the change of hands in music, which we talk about with Rick. Took a little break, and then now they are back with probably their best musical effort to date, I would say. Uh, Resurrect the Faithful, amazing album. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. Don't forget to follow the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at R&R Coffee Show. And while you're doing that, go ahead on over to your favorite podcast listening platform and make sure to subscribe to the show. That way you have an opportunity to listen to all our new episodes with great guests. Hello. Rick. Yes, sir. Hey, man. It's Joe and Josh. How are you? How y'all doing? Pretty good, pretty good. We're doing good. How you doing this evening? Man, I'm good. I've been uh, running around with my kid and uh, messing around in the garage and, uh, you know, just trying to get away with the uh, least work as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you there. Do you have a good Christmas? Uh, oh, yeah, man. Did y'all have a good one? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Kids loved it. I've got three kids here at my house, right. so and, young, uh, youngest one being three, so uh, we had a good time. Right on. Yeah, that's all we ever do. We just buy for our kids and watch, uh, watch how we spool them. <laughs> yeah, that's what matters. So. Right on. Hey, you know what? Before we get into uh, talking about you and your career, I want to say kudos on Resurrect the Faithful. Thank you, man. Thank you. It's a fantastic album. Man, uh, uh, man when I got Alan Bone in the, in the mix, man, it just uh, everything just kind of fell in place, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm very happy, very happy. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean that's some of the, probably some of your best stuff in a while. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, when you uh, let me ask you this, you just released that in what October? Yeah, October twenty third, I believe. Yeah. Wasn't that a risky move with the way the year has been going? Yeah, but my my kind of thinking was was uh, if I don't do it. There's no telling what'll happen. It might not ever come out. True. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I figured Breathe was a pretty good song. You know, uh, everybody was kind of cooped up there for a, a pretty good bit. And uh, yeah. it just kind of like, this kind of felt like that, you know, uh, there's a couple of really good uh, 
good songs on there. So I just figured, uh, you know, breathe was a good kind of opener with, and, uh, you know, uh, we're yeah. just going to see what happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause how many shows have you done to support it? Just one with Ron Keel? I, I think, uh, with, uh, we've maybe done two or three shows. We had the show Saturday night got canceled and, uh, mm. where, you know, where are you Memphis? Yeah. How is, um, how are they doing with everything up there? Is, is it like, like you said, it got canceled. Were they trying to keep things going and it's just not happening or how's it going over there? Um, you know, over the part where I live, uh, my little country store and stuff I go to, uh, you know, uh, everybody up there, nobody wears masks or nothing. But when you get into town, uh, the thing with the clubs, you know, they, uh, the last time we played, um, uh, at this place, it's right down the road of my house, and we just kind of hang out there a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, we we came home and played. It was probably our our first time playing with the new owner there, and uh, man, it was jam packed. He made a he made a gazillion dollars, and he just <laughs> he wanted he wanted to do it again, but they uh, they cut all the clubs down to here to like twenty percent, you know. Mm-hmm. So twenty, okay, okay. And he was going to have to pay us a pretty good chunk of change for uh, 20% of people to be there. So yeah, yeah uh, just couldn't get it to work, I guess. Huh? And he, yeah, we played a, uh, like two weekends before we played a, uh, um, or the week, right, I guess it was right before Christmas. We played a, uh, a toys for tots thing. And, you know, it was like 50 bands, um, uh, you know, all kind of people were there and, um, uh, everybody did kiss songs and, uh, that nice. was pretty cool. And the crowd was good, but, you know what he was uh he was telling everybody not to use their phones so they we wouldn't get caught but uh-huh. you know yeah yeah you know health nazis come around and we're caught <laughs> so oh, it's over <laughs> yeah 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 well good I'm, well at least you're 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 putting new stuff out and you know i'm sure it'll come a time where you'll be able to get out there and really support it i mean we're getting a bunch of calls about going to play so i don't i really know what's happening but mm-hmm. uh with all this downtime, I've already got six new songs written for the new records. <laughs> nice. Well, you can tour for it. Just make it a double album. Right. Double live gone. <laughs> platinum jammer. There you go. <laughs> so tell me about, tell me about you when you were a kid, did you grow up in Memphis or where are you from? I grew up in uh, home of the Tennessee volunteers, Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. And, uh, Man, I grew up with uh, my my uncle Greg was a uh, uh, a world class drummer. He was a traditionally trained uh, drummer, and he uh, he was in the navy. And he he had a band. They uh, they were called Stage Dust, and they played all over you know Europe and stuff. But he got me playing drums when he gave me a Ludwig smoking fire set when I was probably I don't know uh, anywhere between uh, eight and ten years old or wow, something like that's that. A good and, uh, age. And started, uh, you know, I started beating around on the drums, but uh, my first love really is a guitar, man. And uh, I think I was, um, I can't remember how old I was, but my mom, uh, she got me this little acoustic guitar and uh, I made her take me down to this place called Picking and Grin. Picking Grinning. Picking and Grinning. Picking and Grinning. Grinnin', okay. And, uh, I just went in there. I wanted the guy that taught guitar lessons. I don't. I didn't want lessons. I just wanted to know how to tune it so I could you know because I, did, I didn't want no boundaries i didn't want nobody to tell me where i had to go so yeah uh i just need to know how to get it in tune and then uh let me beat it up and uh yeah man uh just grew up in music my uncle worked for charlie daniels for 29 years he started oh, wow. out you know just as a crew guy and then uh when he died he was his tour manager and um 
you know, just my, my mom, uh, she took me, uh, to meet, you know, she took me to Alice Cooper when I was seven. The first concert I seen was, uh, welcome to my nightmare. And nice. Uh, that sold me on everything. And then, uh, she got me in to kiss and I got to meet Gene Simmons when I was young and, and Eddie, uh, uh, and Van Halen and all that stuff. And, um, you know, and then it just kind of progressed, you know how it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I took my son to, uh, he just turned, uh, how old is he? Nine. So when he was eight, I took him to his first concert and it was kiss and he loved right it. Yeah. Yeah, man, you gotta, you know, you gotta show him that there, there's some pretty, uh, we're getting ready to go in the studio and record, uh, um, Oh, I can't take the song now. Uh, <laughs> I, we did three songs, three or four songs the other night, and uh, 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 "Come On and Love Me," man, we did okay. it. We, we really, really EMN dirty, and uh, so we're gonna go in and record it, see what it sounds like. Nice. You plan on releasing it? Yeah, we're just gonna throw it out there as a, you know, as a little something. Right, right. So you grew up. Um, you you had some music in your family then. Yeah. Okay. When did you start singing? Uh, let me think. Um, man, I can't tell you how old I was. I played guitar and I traded guitar and drums and, and bands till probably 15 or 16. And uh, I know it was 1981-ish or 2-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a band in my hometown called Hard Knocks and they had a – they had a, you know, went down to uh, Treasure Island, Nashville, and recorded an album. And they, you know, they footed the bill on it. And they were, uh, it, it was really doing good in my hometown. And uh, that kind of, I kind of started going and hanging out and seeing them. And uh, I got hooked up with the singer, and he ended up being like my pretty much my mentor. And you know, just kind of told me all the things to do wrong so I would mess up. <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't take uh, his job, right? <laughs> So, uh, and I ended up taking his job because um, I started out playing rhythm <laughs> guitar with them and uh, and uh, they asked me to sing. And uh, anyway, there was a party at this like double wide trailer way up in the mountains and there was inside and outside, probably 300 people there. And uh, they got me up to sing some of them hard knock songs. And uh, man, I was just, you know, it's always a bitch trying to find somebody that'll, that'll do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not no singer. I just like telling stories. So, Man, I just uh, I just kind of fell into it, and you know, my Cooper is my all time hero. So, uh-huh. uh, so you know, why not? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever get to meet him? You know, I've, I've got to talk to him once on the phone, and uh, he started playing our stuff on his show uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, there was some words uh, to our people, uh, to uh, Bill Chavis from the label and stuff, back and forth about maybe doing. Some some shows when he goes out so uh nice i would really love to i uh, just sit and uh you know uh i like to play him a bunch of these songs i've been doing uh you know these guys are all getting old i've been doing um just uh, a little acoustic songs and just uh just uh, like i did a, a version of cold ethel and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know just some uh just some stuff to have you know right but and that's you know i'd love to meet i'd love to meet him and just sit and talk to him for you know 10 minutes yeah yeah that'd be awesome <laughs> what um so you did um you were in that hard knocks and then what happened after that how did you meet the guys for to form every mother's nightmare well uh when i got in hard knocks uh the old bass player for hard knocks was living in nashville he had a band called justin heat believe that hmm. um 
so the singer for Hard Knocks went to Justin Heat, and I went to Hard Knocks. And then after uh, we were talking to Jim Zumwalt and some people down in uh, Nashville about a deal, you know, they were about to sign a deal before they went all their stuff. So we were talking to them about a deal, and uh, man, it just kind of all fell apart one day. And uh, they were over there firing me. And the next thing I know, you know, uh, Gene's back and got his job. Uh, you know, got his Hard Knocks job back and. Two days later, the guys from Justin Heat were up in Knoxville trying to corral me. So I went down there and then uh, I got in that band and kept Jim Phipps and fired everybody else out and uh, put together AM in. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so what year was this, roughly? Oh, man. I'll have to say, uh, man, 80, uh, probably, uh, you know, I probably got down there 84, 85. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, you know, messed around there, and then when I finally started putting this band together, I had to go through, you know, I was living in a, a 10 by 20 uh, store all unit, you know, no bathroom, had a wall unit air conditioner, I had a sleeping bag, a guitar, three guitars, and a black and white TV, and uh, I lived in that little store all unit, using the bathroom in a uh, in a Mrs. Winter's cup every night, <laughs> and, uh, um, and I finally... I had a manager down there, though the manager for Justin Heat. He uh, he told me he goes, uh, man, when you get a band together, uh, holler at me and I'll come look at it. And we'll keep on going. And uh, so I finally got a band together and a handful of songs. And uh, I called him. He came out, and then you know it was like we played thirteen shows. Next thing you know, we're in Memphis signing a record deal and eating with ASCAP and. And not knowing what the shit we're doing, you know. <laughs> how, how fast was this? How, I mean, how, how fast did that happen? Oh, I mean, we did uh, literally the the first night we uh, came up with. Uh, we had a show booked at a place called Sal's in Nashville, and um, we didn't even have a fucking name. And uh, <laughs> you know, we I walked, we were in Doc's office, and he said, "Hey, man, y'all are every mother's nightmare. You know that, right?" And uh, and uh, we were just sitting there, and we said, man, we'll use it for this weekend, and we were going to change it after that weekend, but, you know, it just kind of stuck stuck with us. And, you know, we did, uh, you know, our 13th show, we were at the uh, Producer Showcase in Memphis playing at uh, the New Daisy and Proud Mary for 900 people that, I don't know how we drug 900 people in there. Damn. <laughs> you know, and the next thing, uh, the next morning, we were eating with ASCAP and, and talking to, you know, Jason Flom and, the uh the dude used to play uh, uh nigel used to play bass for uh uh deborah uh blondie and uh, uh-huh. everybody man and clive davis and all kind of shit and uh so it just took off <laughs> so clive davis he, did he signed you guys right yeah okay to arista yeah okay. well bitch owen found us and then uh clive davis came down and, and seen us play we did a he wanted us to do a little show for him so we couldn't find a word to play down in Memphis. So, uh, the guy, uh, where we recorded our first record, there was a big old cotton warehouse and we just rented a stretch, a stage and then threw a PA up and got a couple of our friends and went and covered the whole town in free beer and free flyer posters. And, uh, that'll get them out. We got them in there. It was packed and he <laughs> came in and, uh, they signed us on the spot and, uh, man, and just took off, you know? So you go in to record your first album, self-titled album. Right. And then uh, the first single, I believe, was Walls Come Down. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I'm trying to remember. So correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> um, And then you shot that video, and that's the first 
that's where I saw you guys first. Was right. I, I believe on Headbangers Ball, probably, right. with walls come down. Yeah. And I remember, <laughs> I remember the hair. Isn't that funny? I remember the hair. Right. <laughs> we kept up our heads. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys had some killer hair back then. Right. Um. So you released that, and then was that how big of a hit was that song? Man, um, you know, it was just a, I guess it was just a breaker, a breaker song, you know, because we went out as soon as we done that. I guess that was what, 89, 90, maybe. Um, we went out on the road and we were out with, um, God, first we were out, I think we were out with, um, God, I can't even think of their name. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody. Uh, there was a song that she, uh, walks like a woman, uh, but I can't remember what mm. they were. That was, uh, was it Baton Rouge? Baton Rouge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now with those guys, um, we had like eight of us in a van, and we were pretty much making fifty bucks a night opening for them. And we were just, you know, scooting from uh, started out, I think somewhere in North Carolina, and just started going towards California. And by the time we got to L.A., we were they were opening up for us. We were headlining, and uh, you know, it, it got it going. But you know, um, uh, yeah. you know. Love, love came out and then that was you know yeah that that was what the radio scene was then you know it was just uh you know i was trying to put out long hair country boy right after that but it was just uh you know it was they went like, right, right for the ballad huh they went the record company went right for the ballad oh yeah you know man that mm -hmm. was uh you know th back in the day that's how you had to have a ballad and you had to look that way and have a ballad and mm -hmm. and and, and do the you know the things uh that's what i really hate about music because it gets pigeonholed i love how music is today right now it's with the internet and stuff it's a it's you know it's a lot more like uh you know when i was younger i hear about a van halen record i've never seen it yet or you know uh, mm -hmm. i haven't seen a magazine but uh so you gotta go out and start looking for it and you go to the record store and you find it and uh you know spend your eight bucks and get it and i remember doing going getting diary of a madman and going home and just you know i opened the package and it was just smelled of evil yeah 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 right? yeah don't you miss doing that yeah man that's uh that's what i'm liking about today because i can it's not the it's kind of the same because i can get on the internet and you can find so much good stuff and it's not you know it's not you know it's not uh, music i like good music whatever it is i like everything from bluegrass to the heaviest of heavy so mm -hmm. um uh man i just uh i love it now because you can find i found so many good things man uh just uh that i really dig you know uh this this uh, you know some of it's very out there but uh just really good stuff there's a bunch of talented kids coming up man they're just kicking my ass <laughs> <laughs> well i'm telling like, you your your new album is strong so i wouldn't, wouldn't say they're kicking your ass well this some of these kids man they uh they're playing uh god man i don't even know how you uh <laughs> Well, uh, this one kid that came over to my house, he 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 don't even think, man. He just uh, it just comes out. He don't even know what he's doing. But it's <laughs> I don't know what he's doing either. But it's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so love can make you blind comes out while you're on tour. Switches, right. you start headlining. Baton Rouge is opening. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this: When something like that happens, when you're in the middle of a tour. 
what is the tension like between the bands? Is there any, like, how do they feel about that? Um, I had to take that they didn't really dig it much, but you know, here's what the deal was. We had uh, eight or nine of us in a white Ford, you know, van with, you know, nothing in it. <laughs> yeah. They were in a tour bus and they were bitching about cause it smelled like diesel. And I was like, man, I will trade you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, didn't talk to us much. Yeah, I don't know if we ever really. Uh, I don't know if we were ever like friends. Like you know, we went out with Spread Eagle, and we them guys, man. We uh, we loved them guys. We hung out with them dudes. That was a great band. Yeah, man. Um, so uh, you know, I, I don't know. They might have been a little mad, but you know. Yeah. What are you gonna do, right? Dog eat dog. <laughs> right, right, right. So then, uh, after that tour, did you go out on a? your own tour again or did you get on a bigger opening slot or what happened man we did uh, every kind of opening slot uh outdoor festival things uh we played with everybody from sabotage to green jello to, to uh you know uh, we played everything i mean we probably went back and forth we we covered the united states it seems like we did it almost damn near every state three times back to back before we came home. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was WFO all the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, this is at the times when the tide started to turn, right? In music. Well, yeah, a little bit, but when we start, when we did the uh, the second record, that's when things got real hairy. But, you know, every, uh, you know everybody was freaking out about the, the grunge thing, you know. And uh, when we were writing the second record, you know, we were getting darker and the music was, you know, going uh, a little more street, you know, because it, uh, it was so watered down with this bullshit, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I was part of it because I was sticking my <laughs> hair doing it, which is what you had to do to get a deal. But, right. Um, you know, the whole fight with, uh, with Clive and everybody was, uh, you know, we were sending songs in and we were getting darker and a little heavier and. They were just like, oh, they didn't want, uh, they didn't want nothing to do with nothing but love can make you blind, you know. That's all they mm -hmm. wanted. Yeah, yeah, the, you know? the hit, the radio hit. Right, and I was like, I, my every day I was like, man, here's the deal, that's just gone. You don't, I, we're watching this stuff come in, you know. Yeah, we're yeah. we're at playing with these guys, and this stuff's coming in, and it's it's gonna it's going to knock everything. It's going to knock everybody out of the saddle for a bit. And, uh, it yeah. did. Yeah. But I, that man, I loved uh, my, one of my favorite bands in the whole world is, is Dagon Allison change, you know, what a great band. Yeah, man. The great singer, great guitar player, everybody, you know, it's just, uh, I always wonder what, how huge they would have got. If, oh, they, man, you know, right? if he would have lived. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, God, you know, just, uh, what a waste, you know, I, I can't figure, and I've had the worst drug problems of anybody, but I've never mm -hmm. gotten, I just said, you know, I like making my little bit of money, they were making a shitload, you know. <laughs> right, 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 right. Now, you say you had a little bit of a drug problem, did that start with when you guys got signed, or was that before? Well, I mean, it was, uh, here's, a, you know how it worked, David Lee Ross said it the best, he goes, <laughs> he goes, uh, I used to have a drug problem. Now I can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know, everybody, everybody dabbles and does their things. Sure. But uh, you know, you know, y'all know. After a show, 
you can get anything you want. Every time you walk backstage somewhere, it's there. And, uh, yeah. you know, you get caught up and you get caught up in the, you know, the, the, the most important thing it seemed like back when we were on the road was the party after the, you know, after the show. And mm -hmm. I always thought that that was, you know, when I went on Joan Rivers, that's all she wanted to talk about was who was getting laid and who was doing this and what was happening on the bus. You know, and I was like, wow, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell me about the Joan Rivers show. I mean, how'd you get on that show? What happened there? Well, when they told me about it, they said, yeah, you and Jim want to do Joan Rivers. And I was like, sure, man, let's do it. And I figured <laughs> we we're going to go in there and talk about, you know, record or, or you know, or something. But, uh, the whole topic of the show was, uh, you know, uh, it was about them uh, groupies and shit, you know, what goes on backstage and all that stuff. And uh -huh. I got there, man, I, I was, uh, I was about two steps from being married at that, at that time. Uh -huh. And uh, man, it just wasn't nothing good about it. Come out of nobody's mouth. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. all, it's all bad. <laughs> Did you just sit there quietly? I tried. I was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> man. Um, so you had, a, you must've lit somebody up after you got off of that show, huh? Whoever set you up on that one. Oh man. Uh, my buddy Jim, you know, he was the one crucifying me there. He was just telling it all. I was like, man, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, I took a red eye home. I went out and ate dinner with, uh, I think her name was Debbie Drake's. There was a couple of playmates there and we got the old playboy mansion and we went, uh, and we went out and ate dinner and stuff like that. And I had a red eye back to uh, I think it was in Orlando. Uh, I got back to the hotel and got to bed. And the next morning, uh, my tour manager coming in and threw a newspaper on me. And uh, well, first he th he gave me his phone. He goes, "Jackie's on the phone," and then he threw the newspaper on my chest. And he goes, "And this is why." <laughs> now, it was me and her on the cover of USA Today somewhere, and she had on one of them big old bustier bras. And I'm oh no. And all kind of crap, <laughs> and uh, no good happened out of that either. <laughs> oh man, sorry, sorry that happened to you. <laughs> well, you know we we uh we uh what do you call it? You uh, lie in the bed you make. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go back to uh, the the second album. So we were talking about Wake Up Scream when your second album came out. Tide started changing. Did you guys leave Arista, or did you get dropped by them? How'd that end? Uh, we got, you know, for, uh, God, I sent so many songs, you know, I was just, uh, we were writing, we had a house in Nashville and we were writing and writing and writing and sending. And it just wasn't, it just, uh, it just, you know, that just, that just wasn't what they wanted, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, finally, after a while, I just quit sending songs and, uh, I started writing the record, all the songs that I started writing turned out to be the, uh, uh, the backtracks record that we put out, you know, it was mm -hmm. just, uh, I started shopping that and, uh, I started shopping it in Nashville and, uh, I had, uh, my buddy Danny Brown from Southern sound studios producing it. And he does, you know, Dolly Parton and, uh, you know, uh, just all kind of uh, people like that, you know, Ricky Skaggs and all that stuff. And, uh, but he was, uh, he was into it and, uh, and we trying to do, uh, you know, we were doing the, uh, the real heavy Southern stuff, you know, this was golly three or four years for Zach Wilde started doing his banjo thing and all that. Right. Uh, man, we were shopping it to a, a Richard Helmet, Giff, and I think, uh, and, um, 
you know, he uh, he called back and he said, man, I love it. He goes, I just don't know what to do with it at that mm. point. In time, you know, it was just basically damn rules in here trying to do some kind of crazy heavy, medi- heavy metal hillbilly something. <laughs> <laughs> uh and so uh you know i was like well just sell it <laughs> right and uh so uh you know it just kind of you know music was just steadily steadily going down at, at that point in time and uh, sure and uh you know so uh i just rode the old wave all the way down and uh, just kept writing songs you know i kept that uh i kept that backtracks record into in my briefcase for Till I signed a deal with Tom Mathers from Paris Records, and uh, I gave it to him, and he, you know, he wanted to put it out, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, just, uh, just, you know, uh, drudging along, you know, with just doing uh, whatever deals we could get, and whatever, you know, we're going in there recording uh, full length records in two weeks, and then the following week going, you know, just. The, right when that week ended, we were, you know, mixing, and then right when that week ended, we're in there mixing. So, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it was low budget and hard to do. Your ears are shot. There's no time to do right. nothing, but you got to keep on keeping on, man. I guess. And uh, right. so, so know. did you have? Um, were you still with the all the original guys in the band, nah. or did you guys split by then? Yeah, when we finished the second record, when I started, uh, when I started writing. Uh, when I was sending the uh, Clive and them stuff like Muddy Water and and uh, Southern Way and all this kind of stuff, uh, uh, they were, uh, you know, they were. That, that's when I was fighting with them about uh, just you know the where we were going and them guy uh, Steve Market Market already been gone, and then we had this guy Goose playing with us. And uh, one day, uh, you know, Malone just uh, he just decided to. You know, he had got married while we were doing this to his high school sweetheart. She might have been a little sweet on me. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was just kidding. Uh, but uh, I think you anyway, were. One day, uh, you know, he just uh, he just come in the house. You know, it was that that house we were writing in in Nashville, and it was right before we got dropped. And he just uh, he's just done, you know, he goes, man, I went straight out of high school. He goes, last five years I've been in a studio or in a bus or in a, somewhere in a rehearsal hall or something. And, um, you know, it just turned out that, uh, they wasn't, uh, this wasn't the life of them, I guess. And he was going to try to straighten out his thing with his woman, you know, but mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, he left that day and that night I had Travis Hall up here. who's my favorite guitar player ever in the world. And, uh, uh, you know, he was up here, and we started writing. We, I think, we wrote "Pray for You" and uh, and uh, all that stuff that was on the Backtracks record. We started, you know, the next day, and you know, started shopping, and then you know, led up to Paris, and then here. Mm-hmm. Now, when you um, when you were coming out of high school, you guys—I mean, how old were you when you guys were uh, got signed? Oh, shoot! I'm gonna have to say. I'll say 22, maybe 23 tops. So you were young, wanting the record deal, wanting to go on tour. Now, when that finally happened, did it, was it everything you thought it would be? Or like you said, he decided to, you know, choose another direction. Yeah. Well, well, at first, you know, it was uh, the first, uh, until, you know, we were actually writing on the third record is, uh, um, that's when it started, you know, just getting really. Soon as we got off the road on the second record, and mm-hmm. 
stopping, you know, it just started getting different, you know. The thing was, is, you know, that's when, you know, everything started coming through and almost every label at that time was jockeying people around. So our A&R man was gone. All the people that did, you know, that knew us at the label and knew what we were about, you know, everybody was gone. It was all fresh people and they're telling us, you know, how to, what we should have do and mm-hmm. telling me I needed to put a C in this song because uh, he thinks it sounds better and this and that. And just, you know, just, just. This stuff, you know. <laughs> right. So you re- do. Yeah. You released uh three albums on Paris Records, right? Yes, sir. And then you took some time off, I believe, before Grind came out. Right. What what was going on in that time? Um well that's when my drug addiction kicked in really nicely. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's when I almost tried to kill myself. So Oh jeez. Uh, you know, I just went on a, God, it was, a, you know, like I said, it was a music scene was just, just nosediving in a bad, bad way. And, uh, uh, you know, I was, we were still playing, you know, we could still get booked and we were playing, you know, just about the whole time that uh, between records from here to now, I've kept this band together and been playing somewhere on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, at that point in time, as I, I ended up on a, my sound man's couch. I did a two-year couch tour at his house, and uh, we got into t- a bunch of mischief. And, uh, you know, uh, one day I woke up on the floor, and uh, I had to I had to either uh, – I had to get my shit together, and, and uh, I went all the way to the edge and see what was there, but I didn't want to go no further. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Uh, I got up, you know, I, w- I, w- I was partying hard. I think I'd probably been up for two years running this wild. Man, and, uh, yeah. you know, it just fell out one day. And uh, uh, I fell down. I was at the mall on Sunday afternoon going to see the Blair Witch Project. And uh, every person in the God-fearing world was there. It was a beautiful sunny day. Me and uh, two of my buddies, we smoked some pot on the way to the movie theater, and it was hot. We had to walk up the parking lot. I got to the movie theater, and I wanted a Coke, and I got a Coke, and the next thing I knew, I woke up on the floor. Hmm. My, t- my teeth were through my bottom lip, and my jaw was sticking out past my ear. Oh, and uh, this dude was trying to arrest me, and I took off running. And uh, I went home, and, I, man, I just uh, for, for like three or four days, I laid in the bed with my hands on both sides of my face, staring into the mattress. And I, I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, but when I fell down, I gave myself a concussion. And uh, so uh, I got up one day, I thought I was dying and I drove, I said, I got to go to my mama. <laughs> I said, I, got, mm-hmm. I told my mom, I said, I'm coming home. I need to go to the doctor. Uh-huh. And uh, she took me to our, our family friend doctor that, you know, grew up with. And he just walked in there and looked at me and said, Hey man, they go, uh, first off, you probably just need to go, when you get home, just go to your bed and stay there for a month and whatever you've been doing, stop because yeah. you're looking like shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it just, uh, I went through that and then, uh, you know, I just, I seen where that was going and it was at the bottom of my, my bottom of my damn barrel, man. I had nothing left. I was living on this guy's couch. Uh, and uh, so I started getting my shit together and cleaning up. Only thing I had left, I had my, I had a black '81 uh, Corvette with the old that looked like the Batman, the ground effects on it, yeah. mirror top, black on black, four speed, 
and I sold that to my guitar player, Jeff Karn, for, I mean, I, 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 he robbed me like a bastard on it, but I think I sold it to him for 4800 bucks. Oh, man. Goodness. Rounded up 13000 and went up to my buddy Danny's while I was going rehabbing and gave him 13, uh, 13 grand and, and we, we rode, uh, smoking Delta voodoo. And, uh, you know, that's when things started, uh, you know, the songwriting started getting better. My band was good. And, uh, you know, just started getting back and coming out of the damn haze of, you know, being a, a just a, you know, a, a babbling idiot for a long time. And, uh, you know, my buddy, I was recording with, he, uh, he wouldn't even record. I was such in bad shape. He was, uh, he would, he goes, man, I can't deal with you. He goes, I'm just going to give you the key to the studio. When you're done cutting vocals, call me and I'll come and, and I'll sift through them. And, and we'll, and I'll, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but man, I just, you know, started working and working through that crap and getting out of that and fixing all the bridges that I burnt and all the people I pissed off. And right. then, uh, had my daughter and then, uh, you know, I was racing motorcycles again and, I had a bad crash and broke my hand and wrist and all that stuff. And uh, I had my little girl. She was a, no bigger than a beer can. And, uh, you know, I just had to, I just come to, I was like, man, I'm going to get my shit together and get back going and doing this what I like to do. You know, I don't really care about the money. I just like to go play as long yeah, as I can. Yeah, yeah. Cover the and uh, so I've been doing, man. And I just took it a whole lot different. You know, it's, it's, it's a business still, but it's, uh, it's more, uh, I'm just doing it to daggone, uh, Man, I don't even know. I'm just doing it to do uh, to do what I want to write songs I, I like. You know, when I wrote this set down before we uh, wrote this uh, Resurrect album, I set everybody down. I said, man, I want to do this record. I want it to be, I don't want it to be heavy metal or rock or hair rock or, you know, whatever. It's just, I just want, you know, uh, it's just got to, everything's got to be different. It can't be another EMN record. It's got to be... Uh, you know, from the drum fields, everything just coming at it at a different view, different everything. And, uh, you know, I just wanted uh, to work with the guy that uh, produced it, Dave Cal. I just, I really wanted to work with him and I just wanted to uh, just, uh, you know, just do music, you know, like I dig. I'm, I'm really digging. Uh, I was, at that time, I was digging Hell Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that band. I love that band. Uh, I love the dude, the singer. Uh, I love, you know, the lyrics, the way he does. Uh, so I just, you know, uh, that's what I've been doing. I've just been looking at everything. Just, uh, you know, if it's good and it moves my guts, then I like it and I'm going to record it and uh, uh, and more power to us. <laughs> sure, sure. How long did it take you to record Resurrect the Faithful? Man, this was a beautiful thing. It's a great story. My buddy Bill Chavis, who I love, he... Uh, Man, we were just, I think we'd done, uh, I'd just done, uh, I'd saved up uh, enough money to do the the grind EP. And it was, you know, a little five-song EP. And I was playing in uh, Houston, Texas on that grind thing. And uh, a buddy of ours, Larry Petro from KNAC, uh, he was at the show. And uh, he'd been a friend of mine. He's oh, He'd been to every show I've ever played in Texas. And uh, he was there and uh, gave him a record. And he, uh, he called my buddy Bill Chavis. And me and Bill had tried to work together before, but he could get it worked out. But he calls, hey, Chavis, you know what? You heard what Rule's doing. And uh, he said, no. So Larry sent him the record. He got in touch with me and called me and, uh, one day and just said, hey, man, I love this record. 
let's get together and work this time. And he goes, you got any more songs? He goes, let's make a full length record out of this and, uh, and let's do it. And, uh, so that's how I got with Bill. Okay. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we did the, we wrote, we wrote the little grind record for three years, man. It was like the little record that just, you know, kept going. I just kept selling and it kept going everywhere I'd go. I watched it on the internet go from Memphis and it, you know, it just kind of went all over the world. And, um, uh, you know, uh, when we, uh, when I was telling him, um, when we got home and started writing, you know, and I, I, I did this whole thing writing, uh, golly, uh, we wrote for a couple months, you know, and every day he was calling me going, Hey, I need a song. And, uh, I never let him hear no songs. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, uh, you know, uh, my, the guy that I was wanting to do, uh, produce it, he just looked, I struck luck right behind my subdivision way out in the country. He built a new studio, you know, right behind me. And, uh, so, uh, and another friend of mine was there working, working on the studio with him. And, uh, they kept telling me to come down there. So one night I went down there and hung out, they were playing me stuff and, he turned around and goes, Hey man, you do your next record here. It'll sound this big. It only costs you this much. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so uh, w we were still writing and I, you know, I called Bill and told him that. And, uh, the thing that the last song that I'd written was breathe. And, uh, and I hadn't let nobody hear it yet. And, uh, uh, I brought, uh, Troy and, uh, Alan bone in here and, and just let them hear what I was doing, where I was going with it. And, uh, Cause I was kind of scared of it. It's a little different, you know, than uh -huh. this, you know, and, uh, they, they were like, dude, let's do it. And, uh, so I went down and showed it to them. And, uh, you know, the, I, I knew Dave Cow was a, a great producer for other people, but I didn't know how we were going to work together. And I didn't know, um, um, what I was going to do. So the last song I had, it was done as far as I had lyrics and I'd pieced all the music together a little bit and uh enough where we could play through it and uh so uh i said okay let's do this i said let's do this song we'll do one song make sure we can all gel and it all works and uh uh and then we'll go from there so i uh, went down and a couple of days we recorded uh breathe and uh when i got it back i was like dude i said you know it's exactly you know i needed his modern modern thing with what i do to yeah. bring me up current and uh i just loved it man i thought it was different it was still us but it's different and it's got it's big and heavy and it's got a bunch of melody in it and uh so bill got it and then uh he called me like i think uh, after i sent him the the mix of it three days later he had uh, he called the studio and he uh he said man i just booked you nine weeks in that studio if you want to do the record there i said man i'm in nice. I haven't had nine weeks in the studio. Right. <laughs> right. Forever, you know. So, uh, man, we just had time to, uh, you know, like I said, the breathe thing, we put it together, you know, and that's what I wanted to see how good of a producer Dave was with us. And, the man, he just jumped in there with us. Uh, and he's like, you know, the sixth member. And, uh, you know, I had to fray. I had fray. Uh, I had about... Uh, two inches of fray. I had like the one verse and a and a chorus, and I couldn't get it to put together, and I couldn't get it to go right. But I love what I had on the the one piece, and I had uh, that song uh, song sorry today that's on the the record. And um, same thing, I had it pretty much done. It's just I couldn't get it 
I wasn't ever happy with the arrangement on it. And uh, uh, took him those, and uh, you know, I was just taking him pieces of songs, and we were we had enough time to you know just sit in there and jam it and write and and bounce it off each other and shit. And uh, you know, that was a uh, that was the most fun I've had recording in a long time, where you could go in and actually you know record and create and and do it. And um, you know, that makes it and, so much better, doesn't it? God, man, it's awesome. You know, in nine weeks in there, I was like, and I, I mean, I I could walk there. You know, I'd I'd leave and at night and come home and cook my my kid the uh, macaroni and cheese and stuff, and then have to zip back down there. But you know, right, right. Beautiful thing. It's a beautiful place. The best. I mean, the studio. Uh, God, man, is incredible. The amps they got, the the sounds, the the everything. It's probably the most comfortable place I've ever seen in my life. Well, it, it it came out like I said. It, it's fantastic album. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm then, so happy that I could jump, man. <laughs> yeah. And then you guys did um, a documentary while recording that. Right. Right. Well, see, so I, whose idea was that? When we uh, when I was telling you, I never let Bill hear. I never, I never one time sent him any roughs of any songs until he got breathe, and. uh and he had heard uh, he had heard Getaway because I had that track before, and um, but uh, I sent him that, and uh, as soon as uh, and I, I he had, every day he would go, man, you go send me a track. And he would call them and everybody. And I said, don't let him have nothing yet. And that, uh, had I let, be, that had to be driving him crazy. Oh, it was, you know. And I've never had a somebody from a label, you know, that's footing the bill, you know, go any further without hearing <laughs> material. <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like me and Troy was talking in the documentary. I was like, man, I, I can't tell if this is it's good, but it's different. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know if it was too left of what we were or whatever. But, you know, Bill came down. He finally came down. We were done. Uh, we were done with everything and, and mixing. And uh, he came down just to hang. And we were uh, he actually come down to resign. The, he was on me to resign the deal with him. <laughs> So he come down and hung out when we could him and his wife and them. Uh, we let him hear the whole record. And the, the next morning, he had a crew there with the doc starting the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, I was watching that documentary, and I was baffled when I heard that you don't write anything down. No, nah, I never have. Man, I got, I've got the, uh, I got the gifts from God that He gave me the, the great gifts and of songwriting and hearing like when somebody plays uh, one of the guys in my band play a guitar riff or I'll play a guitar riff, you know, everybody else just hears one guy playing, but I hear every damn thing that's going on with it. <laughs> I hear backups. I hear everything. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, he gave me that gift of writing songs, but I only can do it really good when I'm mad or in the shower or, <laughs> or somewhere where I can't write nothing down. But I have, a. Uh, dyslexia so bad that i can't uh it takes me 40 hours to read anything it makes me so mad so i just got learned i just learned how to uh uh i just you know say things uh that you know especially usually when they play a riff the song titles right there soon it just hits me like that and uh and then i'll uh them guys will leave after they play the riff and they'll come back the next day or so and uh you know there's I've wrote all this crap to it, but uh, I just don't never write lyrics because I don't like them to be. I don't. I don't want to ever. Get, I don't like getting popped into it. Uh, I don't like being 
uh, something I did, I, I just want it to be fresh. And when I go in the studio, I tell them to fire it up, and it's just like the first time I played it where I, you know, you just you go feel, for it. And it feels, you know, it's brand new, and I get to, you know, you get to create it right there. And that was, you know, Resurrect the Faithful, man. That song whipped my ass. You know, that was something Gunner wrote, and Troy was messing with him and trying, you know, we talk about changing the chorus. Well, they ended up changing it. And, uh, and then, it, and I was agging it on, helping them, you know, trying to mess with Gunner. And then, uh, I couldn't write nothing to it. I could, it was like, I hated it. I hated that song. I hated it. <laughs> and, uh, I was recording it in the studio one night and kept going through it and I couldn't get nothing. It just wasn't flow and nothing happening. And I walked out and said, man, I'm, I said, I'm going to go home. And I said, it ain't going to happen tonight. I said, this, nothing's happening. And came home and, uh, me and my my little boy was sitting in the kitchen. We was cooking craft macaroni and cheese, just you know, shooting shit. And uh, we were just saying stuff to each other. And he said something and bounced off something. And I said, "Resurrect the faithful." And I was like, "Resurrect the faithful." And I was like, "Damn, that's pretty cool." And then I started thinking about. It. I said, "Damn, that makes." I mean that 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 little line uh, says a whole lot of things, you know. Yeah. To music people, and then. Uh, I kept doing it. And I called the studio back. Said everybody there, and he said, "Yeah." I said, "I'll be back there in about thirty minutes." So then went down there and I said, "Give me two pass, two or three passes, man. If it ain't worth shit, we'll quit. Um, if it's good or worth working on, we'll work on it. Or you know, or y'all fire me, whatever you want to do." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I I went in there and it just I dropped out one line and it just opened everything up. And uh, man, I finished it that night. I did like I don't know how many passes of it. And it was done. And I was like, wow. Just, uh, that's amazing. That's what I love. You know, that's that's the best part, the, the creating and writing. And when it's when when all five of us are in a room and say, I've got the idea and I'm playing it and they're catching on when they all start getting it and it starts going places. That's like, you know, that's the most magical thing you could ever witness. Yeah. You, you ever come up with something so kick ass and then when you go to record it, you forgot it? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's why I got a studio in my house now, because that's what happens to me. I'll, I remember it. I'll, I'll hum it in something, but man, uh, <laughs> you just don't ever want to work. So now, when we're writing, anytime we're at my, uh, the whole band's in here rehearsing and writing, I've got everything mic'd all the time. So uh, it's record mode, because we we yeah. love to write, and we'll fall into something in any given moment. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, yeah, but as far as writing goes, I just can't. Uh, I can't read, man. I can't read. And and if I write it, you can't read it because I. It just looks like chicken scratching. <laughs> and so that, but, that's how you've always done it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, kudos and to I just, you. I say stuff, and it might not be the right. I'll get the melody, and then and, you know I'll have certain words and or the chorus, you know, and I'll just. You know, I just, every night we rehearse, uh, you know, we play through it and, uh, you know, I log something or, you know, I just keep piecing things together in my memory. Uh, this line's pretty cool. And then uh, when I get down there to start piecing it together, you know, that's, you know, I, I, I'll, you know, I go to David and I was like, man, you know, make sure this makes sense. But I like the way it sounds. I like the way it works. And uh, I try to write it as vague as possible so it can, you know, people's lives, you know, can affect as many people as possible, you know, mm -hmm. or at least one, you know, that's yeah. probably the most 
bang thing when somebody comes up and said, man, that, that song right there got me through my divorce and all kind of stuff, you know. And yeah. That's uh, that's very uh, that's very cool in my book. <laughs> it's like right. the song is alive. It, it, it evolves. It evolves. Yeah, exactly. What what made you do a redo Love Can Make You Blind on Resurrect the Faithful? Man, I did it for uh, for all the people that, that have followed me. I mean, every time I go play somewhere, I've got people that's, that's seen this. Are, the Gia sisters, you know, are just one of them. But everywhere we go, there's people that I met the first time we ever went out that still come and see me play. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, when I got my first deal, we played uh, – you know, I hadn't been doing none of this, you know, crap a crazy long time. Um, I just knew I wanted a record deal and I, <laughs> how to get it. I knew what you had to do to get it. Um, but I kind of just did it for, I did it for me. I wasn't real, I'd never been happy with the first record because, like, you know, we didn't know what we were doing, man. We were four kids, uh, yeah. two of them school, and two of us were in a, you know, just, you know, playing rock music, trying to do something. And, uh, um, Hell, I don't know. It just damn happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just wanted to do it. Right? Yeah. But uh, I just, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know what I was doing on my first record, and I hate it every time I hear it. And the new band plays it, you know, we're playing that. We took every song that we, you know, everything that we drugged from other records and doing the set still, we took all of them apart and, and brought them back and, you know, made sure the backups are good and, and updated them and, and just, you know, cause I, to be honest, you know, love can make you blind. I got, I got every single time you play, you know, you got to play that, you know, and I can't even imagine what somebody like Steven Tyler or some of them guys feel like, you know, playing some stuff. But um, yeah, I, I wanted to ask that too. I mean, some of these songs that you wrote when you were young that you're still playing today, is it, is it little, I don't know what the word is, not awkward, but is it, I mean, does it feel strange to play this song that you wrote when you were 20 years old and now uh, you're however old it, you are? It feels like it's like two-dimensional or something. It's just, uh, you know, the depth. But I will say, you know, that's kind of why, that was another reason why uh, I wanted to do Love Again because that song's followed me around my whole life. And I, like I said, I didn't, the, the album was raw and, and us as raw as we could possibly be, but um, just not being experienced enough with our craft to know what you know what we're doing mm -hmm. uh, so like i said we took all the songs and and shredded them down and we've been playing love and long hair and walls and and all them but man we took uh you know we just took them and done like that and we're playing we play love a little different and I, I just wanted a version you know this band i love my band now i finally found five guys that think the same focused on the same uh and, uh, you know, I love the way we were playing it. And uh, I just wanted a new version of it to be out there. You know, to, there's a whole lot of people that never heard it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it did, you know, it took me from a, a 10 by 20 store all unit to all over the place, everywhere. Yeah. I've lost a couple of houses over it. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you I just find... want to oh, go, go ahead. Yeah. Do you find that... Um... The, how does the crowd react to you changing these songs that they know from their uh, their youth? Well, you know, most people, most of 
the people that I, like the internet and Facebook and stuff, they're everybody's you know just uh, really digging on it. You know, we didn't change it a whole lot. You know, we just kind of you know just fixed some things that you know that just never came out. But uh, sure, that we did the same thing to walls, man. Walls is so fun to play now. I love playing uh, that and uh. You know, we just uh, dissected them and fixed them, and the, the crowd loves them. And that's that's kind of why, you know, I wanted to this new record. You know, the, our older fans they can hear it and they'll know that we still do it and we still uh, live up to it. But for a lot of years, man, I didn't put no. I've seen so many YouTube videos of me half-assing that song and mm-hmm. just kind of bored to death. You know, I played it so much. And, um. You just needed I, it refreshed, I guess, huh? Yeah, but I got mad at myself, you know, and we were in Denver playing Golden, Colorado, and I, I just told everybody, I said, look, man, I gave this song a bad stick for a long time, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to, and I just took that song and uh, all them old songs, and I brought them, you know, I, I play them as, uh, with as much intensity as I do the new songs, and because uh, a lot of people spent their their hard-earned dime to come and buy that record, buy those songs, and come see us play. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I felt like I was half-assing, so I I decided I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so now you have an amazing record, but or you can't support it right now. So are are you planning on getting back out there in the new year as soon as you can, or is it just gonna you going to continue to push it virtually? Uh, right now, you know. Uh, Bill called me this week and said, "Man, we got a uh, a bunch of a uh, bunch of interest, uh, you know, on shows coming up, and and uh, you know, I lost six shows overseas, and them they called back this week, and they're, you know, I, I don't know what they're doing over there, but uh, the way they were sounding, they're he's they're they were trying to start booking for twenty one, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, man, let's do it, but uh, you know, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, uh, right now just I keep a keep my uh, my Instagram and just you know talking to everybody and as soon as I can get out and play I'm on to but uh, my band is crazy right now we've got six new songs written for a new record um, and we've just had so much time to work on you know we got that record home and when we come home and listen to it and then said no no we got to play it you know and I don't want to I ain't knocking on nobody but I ain't, I don't I don't want to be uh, I've seen people uh, that played it tapes or taper set, what are you going to call it, uh, you know, backtracks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I ain't that, man. I, uh, I got five guys in my bed that sing now. I said, uh, we can do it. I just we, we'll, we'll make it as good as we can possibly do it. And we just uh, took all this time and, and honed the songs down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're not exactly like the record, but that's, you know, when I was young, I'd go see uh, – Aerosmith and stuff, but that's why I wanted to go see them because I wanted to see the live show mm-hmm. and see the song stripped down, you know, in the live, you know, process and, uh, you know, that yeah. that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever think about doing any of these, or or have you done any of these uh, online shows? That's what I, I, I'm I'm trying to get worked out right now. Um, we were going to do it earlier, and then I thought, you know, it kind of lifted, and I thought it was all going to clear up, and we started getting. You know, everything started getting back in order, and uh, and then it fell out again. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we uh, I'm going to do one here at my house where we rehearse in my studio, and just uh, I want to do one here, and then uh, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff to 
to play and it's, it's going to be cool. Awesome. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Um, the new album. So where can people purchase this album now if they want the physical copy? Uh, man, you can get it. Uh, well, you know, you can get it on Amazon and all them places and you can get it, uh, uh, you know, you can go to uh, have all, uh, mm-hmm. have and you can get it as a label. You can go to our website and get it with zmnrocks.com or you can come to my house and I'll give you one. <laughs> You got to be careful of that. You might get a bunch of people knocking on your door. <laughs> um, is it available in in what formats? What's that? What formats is it available? Is it just CD or is it vinyl? Uh, there's CD, vinyl. Uh, we're trying to bring back eight tracks. They won't let us do it. But <laughs> yeah, man. We, uh, we I just got the physical copy uh, uh, this uh, last week, uh, about, about three or four days ago. Of... Resurrect the Faithful? Haven't, I uh, haven't, other than seeing it, Bill, you know, shooting it back and forth on the internet, I haven't seen a, a, a copy of the record. I finally get, he sent me 20 the other night and some posters and uh, some things like that. So he, he was probably doing that because you didn't let him hear the songs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> back at you. <laughs> you know, the thing, uh, the thing that we were trying to do, and if it ever opens back up, we were doing, we were going to do like a, five or uh a five or five or uh ten city little tour um but we were just going to do it on the uh on the documentary thing and we were going to go in and uh you know play uh play uh, the documentary you know uh just a little club somewhere in, in a couple of towns that we were really like we were going to you know and not not a big club, you know, just a pretty good little thing, and mm-hmm. everybody come in and watch the documentary and hang out, and and uh, and then uh, get up and just play the new record, and then just hang out afterwards, and and uh, listen to the record and, and sell shit, hang out, whatever, and uh, uh, you know, we're kind of we're wanting to do that pretty good, just to be something a little different. Uh-huh. Um, sounds amazing. Yeah, be fun, you know. Just a, and, uh, we had some movie poster, you know, them old movie, yeah. Uh, post- uh, we had some big old movie posters made of uh, of the documentary, and uh, so uh, that that's that's in the works, you know. But you know, we got to get everybody to be safe and not die on us first. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. important. Well, cool, Rick. Well, listen, I, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us tonight. Um, well, thank you, know, you guys for uh, wanting to talk to us, man. <laughs> anytime, man. Anytime you want to just chat, hit me up. Right on. Um, yeah. So, what else? Anything else that you want to uh, tell the fans before we get out of here? Man, all I can say is, uh, man, you hear us here for playing in your town. Come and see. Come open minded, and uh, I'll tell you some stories, and we'll have a good old time. Awesome, <laughs> love it. Well, w- once again, the album is amazing. I definitely recommend people pick it up. Resurrect the Faithful. Get it at High Vol Music or what's your website? EMNRocks.com, right? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, you take care. You have a safe new year. Yes, sir. You too. And then we'll talk next year, okay? All right, brother. Y'all be good. All right, buddy. Bye. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.